Welcome back to Cross the Line. This is Season 2, Episode 14, presented by Barstool Skurs. And folks, it is officially basketball season for Nebraska fans. It's kind of a bittersweet. And it is. Yeah. Um, football is always at the at the center of everything in our hearts. Um, but we had a disappointing season. The senior class just graduated without ever beating Iowa. Um, but our basketball team is pretty good. So it is officially basketball season in my mind. Um, I will be doing just as much reading and following and researching during the off season as I always do. But there won't be any games on. Yeah, and that sucks. It but does. There, Saturdays aren't the same. No. And, you know, it, it is just sad that, you know, it's over. We have over, like, it's like 280-some days until the first game of next season. And what sucks is it, football's not over entirely. No, There's still not. football for quite a while, but it's like there's two death dates to the football season, and it's when Nebraska football's done and then when real football's done. Yep. And this is this is almost worse than the second one. But, yeah. you know. But, yeah, like you said, there is football left to play. Um, and as big college football fans like we are, um, we're I mean, we're still hyped about it. There's a, there's oh, a yeah. lot of good stuff still happening. Lot. I think, though, overall, big picture, would you agree that this season of college football has seemed more disappointing than most of the years we've had recently? I think it's just been so, like, set in stone that, like, Alabama is, like, the best team. And it's not like we're, like, concerned with whether they're going to be the team at the end of the year that you have to beat. And it's like Nebraska started 0-6. And it just, like, even when we started winning, like, we had to bring back all this momentum. It just – it has been. It's been a weird season. Well, and there haven't really been any, like, top five matchups. No, I mean, no. We haven't had any huge, huge, huge games that ended up well. Like we had LSU, Alabama, but like that, that yeah, wasn't fun. It was a joke. Like, yeah, I think. I mean, I think the best game hyped up wise that we had all season was the game, and it didn't even turn out to be close. And yeah, it kind of went the way that I think a lot of neutral fans did not want it to. Yeah, um, I think there were a lot of Michigan fans on Saturday that. And I mean, aren't always Michigan fans, and they were all pretty disappointed, including myself. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I did see this coming from a mile away. Yeah. Two months ago or so, I did say that Michigan is good, and they are going to go into that game ten and one, and it's going to fall apart. And that's exactly what happened. And you know, all the credit in the world to Urban Meyer. I don't. I don't know how he does it. I don't know if he's just been dicking around all season and then. Just was like, all right, well, we've tricked everyone into thinking we're not that good. Um, let's just go beat the piss out of the team that everyone else thinks is the best team in the Big Ten. And now they're going to go to Indianapolis and they're going to win another Big Ten championship. And if somebody, like if Oklahoma loses to Texas, they're probably in. Yeah. So, that's, unbelievable. That's the Urban Meyer way, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. Um, but – yeah, I don't know. I, I'm kind of in – we talked about this off-air earlier. I think I would almost prefer Ohio State not to be in the playoff. Like, oh, I yeah, think 100%. I would be much better off just, you know, if – I don't – it doesn't really bother me that much that the Big Ten wouldn't be in the playoffs for two years in a row because, I don't know, Ohio State being the representative of the Big Ten just feels dirty. I don't even root for them when no. they're in oh, it. Oh, no. I, I absolutely don't. So I, I think I just prefer them being out of it, and let's just – as a Big Ten, go out and show the rest of the country what we can do in the New Year's Six Bowls like we did last year. That, so I would be completely fine with that. Uh, but there's our opener. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that's that's college football right now. Yeah. Um, so for today on the show, we have a few recurring segments. We're going to talk about Rivalry Week a little bit more. Um, we're going to talk about what's gone on in the coaching carousel throughout college football, who's been fired, who's been hired, what we think about it. Um, we're going to do a genuine Nebraska ball segment. We haven't really done that yet this year, and it's officially Nebraska basketball season. Um, and, I mean, after that, we have Isaac Copeland coming on the show. He did. He came over to our place and did a good interview. Um, definitely tune into that. I'm kind of excited to bring you guys that. Um, and that's kind of why we felt like we should probably do a Nebraska ball yeah, segment. Yeah, I mean, since makes sense. a Nebraska ball player on the show later, but – um, and then after that, we're going to get into our picks of the week, and then we're going to get out of here. So, Jake, are you ready to do it? Yeah, let's go. All right, give me that fun fact. All right, so my fun fact of the week is probably one you guys have seen, but it pissed me off when I read it. So, 
Adrian Martinez outpaced Trace McSorley in passing yards, passing touchdowns, completion rate, and yards per carry, but Trace McSorley got the All-Big Ten spot over Adrian. And, I mean, team success does play into that, but Penn State's also a team that lost by 35 to Michigan. Like, I don't know. Just It pisses me off that that's how that kind of fell. But any comment from you on that, Corey? Yeah, I mean... It's it's tough. I th- I mean it it shows that Adrian statistically had the better year, but um, I don't know if the Big Ten wants to hang their hat on a freshman quarterback from a four and eight team. I just I think you're safer going with the Trace McSorley pick. I mean, there's no doubt Trace McSorley is a great quarterback. Oh, yeah. Um, I hope the best for him. Um, but you know it is what it is, and I'm not too surprised by that. I'm actually not too upset about it either. Um, and my main reason for that is I think the awards are yet to come for Adrian. So yeah, yeah. Um, maybe he could use this as motivation if that's what he wants to do. Um, but you know it is what it is, and the fact that I think we can all take a little bit of pride in the fact that he had better numbers in essentially every category than the guy who did win the award. Yep, that's for sure. Uh, so now we're going to get into our weekend recap. Uh, Corey, do you want to start that off? Yeah, we might as well. Um, so I'll start my weekend recap with the first game that really happened, or I guess the first game with any sort of meaning or pull to it. Um, so it was the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night. So the Egg Bowl was an absolute mess. Um, Mississippi State just ran away with the game. It wasn't really that fun to watch. But I forced my girlfriend to keep watching it with me because – I could tell, I could smell it in the air. I saw it coming for how chippy it was that there was going to be a fight. And sure as shit, at the end of the third quarter, there was a bench-clearing brawl. And I was incredibly happy that I just muscled through the worst third quarter of all time to make it to that. So that was exciting. I was super disappointed once I saw the tweets and stuff coming out about that fight. I was in the car. I was on the road to Iowa. And, oh, my God, I wanted to watch that fight. Like, I, I wish I would have seen it live. But it was okay to watch recaps of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was fun. I think there's going to be a fight in that game essentially every single year now. Um, Good. It's yeah. just gotten to that point. A lot of people hate that. Uh, it is what it is. I see it as a bunch of kids with pads and helmets on that aren't actually going to hurt each other, shoving each other yeah. around. And I they're don't. not. It's not like they're throwing haymakers it, at each exactly. other. They have helmets like, on. Like, I, I'm okay with it personally. I know that's not the most popular opinion with a lot of people. They just think the game should be cleaned up. I think it's funny. Yeah. And and no it's, one's at real risk of being injured. It's all jawing anyway. Yeah. Like who cares? <laughs> uh, but moving on, Oklahoma West Virginia. That game was nice. It was. A complete shootout like we all expected, but it still exceeded my expectations. They even shattered the over by, I think it was almost 20 points. Um, The Kyler Murray versus Will Greer battle did not disappoint whatsoever. Um, And that was just a great game. And say what you want about Oklahoma's defense, there's absolutely no doubt that it's bad. There's no doubt about that. No one will ever try to argue with you there, but... If they can just keep outscoring teams, I mean, I'm willing to watch an Alabama-Oklahoma game no matter what. If Oklahoma beats Texas and gets in as the four, I'm willing to watch that game. What surprises me the most is this was not the highest scoring game of the weekend. No, it wasn't. Not like I mean, not by a long shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, I mean, due to different circumstances, we're, yeah, getting, oh yeah. we're getting there. We'll get we're there. Getting we'll get there. there. We'll get there. Um, but, yeah, so that was that was a really exciting game, and I, I think – if Oklahoma beats Texas, which, I mean, there's obviously no guarantee they will. They've already lost to Texas once this year. That's their only loss. Um, but if they did, I think Alabama-Oklahoma would be worth watching. I mean, I think we all know who would probably win. But we would get to see somebody score in Alabama, and there's no way that they wouldn't score in Alabama. Like, they are, They're so again, good on yeah, pretty much the most prolific offense in college football. Um, but moving on, we had the Apple Cup on Friday night. It turned into a little snowball. That was a really fun game to watch. But at the end of the day, Mike Leach simply cannot beat Chris Peterson. Um, this Apple Cup was supposed to be different. And, well, it was another show of Washington and Chris Peterson just kind of having Washington State's number and coming home with the win on the road, in the snow, as the underdog. I, I mean, if it didn't happen this year, when is it going to happen for Mike Leach? It it. This was the team that could beat Washington. Absolutely. Washington was what eight and three. Mm-hmm. Mike Leach had this team fired up. That atmosphere looked great in Absolutely. Pullman. And I mean, the snow—like you feel like that's just a gritty game that Mike Leach can get away with. But nope, 
Chris Peterson figures it out and beats beach Washington state. It was yeah. relatively handily, you know, yeah. it was, it was still a good game to watch, oh, yeah. um, but it was kind of sad. Cause like you could almost just tell that it didn't matter what Gardner Minshew was going to do. Like it just was never going to be enough. Like Washington's defense has just always kind of had that high powered offense figured out. I mean, we're looking at a Washington state team that the week before scored 55 points in the first half against Arizona. And like, say what you will about the quality differences, but that's 55 points and a half. And for them to come out the next week and get kind of shut down by a Chris Peterson defense, I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, a hundred percent. I yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and uh, last but not least, for my personal weekend recap, uh, we got to talk a little bit about Texas A and M LSU. So Jake didn't actually watch the game. Um, no, I yeah no. <laughs> but I mean, it was late Saturday night, and I'm probably in the wrong here for being the one that was at home and did watch this game. Um, but all I gotta say is the game was awesome. So it went to seven overtimes. For those of you that have not had the chance to hear about this yet. Um, there was a lot of iffy officiating, um, a lot of chippiness, and this A&M LSU deal kind of almost seems like a rivalry a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was crazy. There was fights after the game. There was uh, LSU assistant who got hit in the chest and was saying his pacemaker felt like it got. I mean, it, this was just it was complete insanity from top to bottom and i had to stay up until like 1 30 to watch it all unfold uh, but i'm at the end of the day i'm not that upset about it uh yeah i saw the final score it like popped up on my espn app because you know it of how high scoring it was and i like looked and i just saw the score at first and i was like why is this giving me a basketball score update you know like why do i care about this and then i looked and i was like oh my god like that went to seven overtimes yeah that that is wild. Yeah, uh, and there were some really, really great plays, too. Like, to get to seven overtimes, you have to see some shit. Like, it, you won't get a game that goes into seven overtimes without seeing great, great plays. And there were some insane catches by Texas A&M's wide receiver, and Kellen Mond was making plays. And it was it was honestly just incredible stuff to see go back and forth. It wasn't just a seven-overtime game. It was an insane seven-overtime game. I wish I could have seen it, but I was at the bar. So, uh, Rip. yep. Next uh, is my weekend recap. Uh, first, Mackenzie Milton going down. That sucks for UCF. I know I was bagging on them all season, but that's something you never want to see. Really hope that kid gets healthy again. It's just not the same team without him on the field. He is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. He should have been a Heisman candidate, and I, I don't think he's going to be there, but he should have been. Yeah. Uh, so next, uh, on a little happier note, it was nice to see KU give Texas a run for their money. Uh, Texas was kind of beating them down most of the game, and then KU scored 17 in the fourth and really gave Texas a scare. I like Texas being nervous, and God, I wish they would have beat them. I don't know what it is. Kansas can force turnovers against anybody. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. It's the only thing that's kept them in the games that they've been in this year, and it's what's won them the games they won, too. I think they caused like six or seven against Rutgers. It's just insane. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then next, Ohio State, we kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, the game, I I was all in on Michigan winning this, but Ohio State showed up how they should have all year, but there's still a team that lost to Purdue by 29, and I think that if Oklahoma and Ohio State win and Georgia goes down big to Alabama or whatever, you have to put Oklahoma in over Ohio State because you look at a three-point loss that Oklahoma could avenge against Texas this weekend – and then you compare that to getting blown out by a not very good Purdue team. Like, this is why they didn't get in last year. Don't lose by 30 on the road in the middle of conference play. You to can't do that. To a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team. Exactly. If you lose by 30 to Penn State on the road, at least it, like, is kind of reasonable. Yeah, but and last year, it was, I think it was even more reasonable. Even though the, la the game last year was a little more out of hand, but Iowa was actually a pretty solid team last year. This Purdue team was 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, yeah, not good. Uh, and then Minnesota blew out Wisconsin. Uh, First time that they've won that game in 15 years. How? How We can say that college football has sucked this year, but it's small moments like that. that oh, yeah. kind of remind you that football never sucks. Oh, yeah. And then TCU beat Oklahoma State. And what an up and down year for Oklahoma State. Like I think it was they beat three or four. It might even be four top ten teams because they beat Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Texas. They no, oh, or they didn't beat Oklahoma. Sorry. No, no, they played uh, with Oklahoma. Yeah. It was like two points. Or yeah, whatever. they they've lost at the last minute, 
and then they beat Texas, they beat West Virginia, and who they beat someone else good as well. But I don't know. I, I know they beat Boise State as well, which yeah. is a good win. I mean, just what a weird year. Yeah. Oh yeah, Mike Gundy. Because they lost to did they lose to Baylor? They have some really questionable losses. Oh on yeah, it, I know. Yeah, it's but, like, and TCU was not good this no. year. Oh, they were bad, but. You know, whatever. That's just the way it goes. Uh, so now we're going to talk about the coaching carousel. Just uh, keep it college football going just for a little bit longer. And uh, so, Corey, you want to take off? Yeah, right so we'll start by just going through everything that's happened so far, and then we'll backtrack and talk about each one a tiny bit or a little bit, uh, just depending on how strong our feelings are about it. So here's what we know. Clay Helton is not getting fired at USC. They have fired T. Martin, the offensive coordinator, but Clay Helton will remain the head coach. Uh, Mac Brown is now the head coach at UNC after they decided to part ways with Larry Fedora. Uh, Les Miles is officially the head coach at Kansas. Colorado fired Mike McIntyre. Texas Tech fired Cliff Kingsbury. And as of tonight, these are two things that we just learned. Um, Paul Johnson has officially retired at Georgia Tech. And Jeff Brom has elected to stay at Purdue, and he's not going to replace Bobby Petrino, who was fired at Louisville. So let's backtrack and start from the top. Clay Helton is still the head coach at USC. Jake, initial reaction. I think that's a good move. Uh, Freshman quarterback, it's not like he's had a bad career at USC. I mean, they won the Rose Bowl last year. Like, or no, not they last went year. to it. Went to it, but. and not the Rose Bowl. They went to a whatever New Year's Six Bowl against yeah, Ohio yeah, yeah, State. Yeah. That was didn't win, but his first season as a head coach, Rose they Bowl, did yeah. win the Rose Bowl yep. against Penn State. I mean, in your first season as a head coach, you go the Rose Bowl, win the biggest the Rose bowl, bowl game. Yeah, like, yeah, like I don't know. I this was a really rough year for USC. Um, they lost to all of their rivals. And they did not make a bowl game. That shouldn't happen at USC. But they did have a quarterback who was a reclassified freshman, so he technically should have been a senior in high school. Um, I, I say keep him around. I, I A lot of people, especially in USC circles, did not like this, but I, I'm okay with it. I, I think Clay's deserved that. Um, he's been a USC guy, so I, I personally find that you know an okay decision. Uh, moving on. Larry Fedora out at North Carolina, Mac Brown in. Jake, what do you think? I mean, the Mac is back, I guess, out in uh, Chapel Hill. But old ESPN anchor taking college football job after being bad at Texas for four years. Yeah, like what a weird, weird season we've had. Just the last two years of what's had gone on with coaching. Um, and I got to credit Bill Connolly uh, from SB Nation. He does a really good job covering college football and basically his take on Mac Brown back to UNC was um, that they could have went and hired a Mac Brown type from 30 years ago but instead they hired a Mac Brown who was pretty bad his last four years as a head coach and who has been a ESPN analyst for the last five years proving why he wasn't a or why he wasn't a head coach anymore um, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I, to me, it just seems like it's another kind of Mike Riley type hire. It's just that Mac Brown obviously has a, a much better title, yeah. he has a much better history, no doubt about it. But he ended really, really bad his last coaching stint and did not get another job after that. Yeah, I think I, uh, you can't just forget about that and think he's going to come back and create magic again. I think we're talking about Les Miles a little bit too, yep. just putting this in there because they're both old guys going to programs who are kind of on the backslide right now. Uh, the only way this makes sense is if you bring in a bunch of young coordinators who you're like, okay, well, Mac, you're coming in for three years or less. You're coming in for three years and then you're done. And we hand the reins off to a young guy, and that's how it works. But I just think you got to do it now. I mean, Les Miles at Kansas, different ballgame. I'm all for that just because it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It's hilarious, and I'm all for it. Um, so that that I'm not going to talk about too much. But in UNC's scenario, I mean, I, I don't think they needed to do this. I think 
in any situation, you want to set yourself up for the future. Start getting someone. There are some genuine candidates out there right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. There aren't that many big schools in the market for a coach right now that they'd be competing with. They kind of get whoever the hell they want, and they hired Mac Brown. What about Cliff? They could have they could have brought him in from Tech. That's I, an option. Um, uh, they've talked about bringing him in as an offensive coordinator to Mac Brown, which isn't going to happen. No. Cliff Kingsbury, and this just brought us right to our next coach that we're talking about. Cliff Kingsbury is going to get another job somewhere, and it's going to be an offensive coordinator, and it, he's going to do well. Yeah, oh yeah. I think he got thrown into a terrible situation, and I think this is the worst decision made by an AD this year was to fire Cliff Kingsbury. Oh yeah. They're- he is a Texas Tech guy through and through, was a quarterback there. The fan base still loved him, even though things weren't going his way, and still Shit really only started to go south for him this year after he didn't have a starting or a backup quarterback, really. Yeah. He had his guy at quarterback, Alan Bowman, a true freshman or redshirt freshman, I'm not Whatever, sure. Whatever, yeah. But he had his guy that was clearly his quarterback and that when he was in the game and they when he was healthy, good. they looked good. And in college football, I mean, you see it all the time, the two most important things are your coach and your quarterback. And I think they had both, and I think this is a little too reactionary, and I think they're making a big mistake. But Cliff's going to be fine. Oh, yeah. He's going to keep making money, and he's going to go coach somewhere and prove why Texas Tech should not have fired him. Uh, So moving on, we have Colorado firing Mike McIntyre. Interesting. Good. Good. You know, I – I, I don't really have any strong feelings about it. I don't really give two shits about Colorado yeah, personally. Yeah. Um, it's weird. They had a really great 2016. They that's when they went. Yeah, to, yeah, ten and yeah. two or whatever. Yeah, yeah. they won the Pac-12 South. Um, good year. And then this year or last year was disappointing. And then this year they start out five and zero, getting the top 25 or close to it. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. And then finished zero and seven, including a loss to Oregon State. They gave Oregon State one of their two wins this year. So, yep. yeah, I get it. Um, you should want better than that as a Colorado fan. I will agree. Um, but, you know, it is kind of weird firing a guy who's been there for a little while and did have a couple of good seasons, including one really good season where they punched very high above their weight. Oh, yeah. So, interesting decision. Uh, Paul Johnson retiring at Georgia Tech. I was shocked when oh, I yeah. saw this. I saw this about an hour and a half ago, and I still can't believe it. That's all I've known is Paul Johnson running the triple option at Georgia Tech. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. that's all I've known in my lifetime watching Georgia Tech football is like that is what's gone on at Georgia Tech. Yeah. Oh, they run the triple option and they win seven to nine games. And yeah. that's that's what you know. And, and uh, But occasionally they had really good teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, they just had to put it all together. In the triple option, you have a couple positions that are very, very important in getting that done. Um, but, yeah, that's really sad, and I'm very interested to see what they do this year. If this was last year when Paul Johnson decided to retire, they'd probably hire Ken Niamatololo from uh, Navy. Navy, yeah. But they are like 2-9 and nine right now, or 3-8, and eight or something along those lines. That's Not something good. bad. And I... You can't just take a team that's run the triple option for this long, have a roster built to run the triple option, and bring in someone who doesn't run anything close to the triple option. They have to go for an option guy. Oh, yeah, 100%. And if they don't, there's going to be some dark, dark years at Georgia Tech. Uh, Yeah, I feel bad Yeah, for them. But, I mean, Paul Johnson retired at Georgia Tech. And Uh, last but not least, Jeff Brom is staying at Purdue okay (laughs) like i don't know dude i'm saying damn it personally because i i've i've been you know outwardly against brahm as being this big head coaching head coaching candidate for a bunch of bigger jobs but i mean there's no doubt that he's gonna he's had purdue better than they've been previously oh he's a good coach Yeah. yeah like he's good enough i just i don't think he was ready for a big big step up um but yeah he's staying and that's going to be another team that we need to look out for in the Big Ten West. And Jeff Brom and Rondale Moore are going to be a thorn in our side for three more years at least. So that's, I think that's our biggest takeaway from it. It directly affects us, no doubt about it. Yep, for sure. We have to play them every year. All right, so that was the coaching carousel. All right, so now we're going to get into that Nebraska basketball talk that we were talking about uh, before we get into the Copeland interview. So, Corey? You want to take it away? Yeah, so I think we can kind of break this down into sections here. Um, The first section is, so far, Nebraska basketball has played 
three teams that I think we can just go ahead and say are slack ass. So Mississippi Valley State, Southeast Louisiana, and Western Illinois. Um, the only takeaway from all three of those games, which is great, is that we beat the piss out of all of them. Yeah. And hey. that is all you can ask for. Um, fantastic do- job to Nebraska basketball. There was no losing to Incarnate Word this year. Um, we really just kind of shut the door on all that and put those teams away like we should have. Um, so I'm very thrilled about that. I'm not just sitting here looking at us blowing out three terrible teams and taking well, it for granted. Yeah, like yeah. I, I am genuinely happy that that happened. Um, then we had – so we had Seton Hall, third game of the season. Seton Hall is traditionally a pretty good basketball team. They are known for getting into the tournament pretty much every year. It's like an eight-seat or so. Um, and they just recently, within the last few nights, gone on and beaten Miami. Oh. So – um seton hall update for you but yeah we beat seton hall by 23 which that's huge that, that is was, a huge win yeah that was a huge game um and i think that just goes to kind of prove that at home nebraska is going to be lethal this year um i think we will have a very very tough time losing home games um and we, we that's kind of been the mantra of nebraska basketball recently is we play really great in pba um and struggle on the road um, but that brings me to my next point, which is at neutral site, we played Missouri State, who's actually not as bad as the other teams. They at least play in the um, Missouri Valley Conference, so that's something compared yeah. to teams that and teams and colleges that you've never heard of before. Um, so that was a win that we won by 23 as well. So, you know. We like winning by 23. Yeah, yeah. pat on the okay, back to yeah. the boys. Um, and then we – so the Texas Tech game, that's the one loss we have. 70 to 52 um neutral site pat mahomes is at the game uh espn made sure we all knew that it was actually that was the next night night yeah after chiefs rams um which actually made that pretty cool yeah yeah i gotta admit but um yeah so we by the end of it got kind of blown out and looked really uninspired um and so we definitely learned some things that night um so here's my takeaway from that is my Basically, my perspective from being a former former high school basketball player, not to brag, um, <laughs> and just watching pretty much every game we've had this year, minus Western Illinois, um, our offense, our half court offense, is oh our issue. Oh my god! Yeah, it is. It is a very, very obvious issue. Um, when we're not on the break, it is honestly kind of concerning. We have almost no movement, and we still score points and it still looks like we kind of have an offense, but that's because we have a lot of really talented individuals. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of people who can score the bat. Isaac. We just talked to one, one of them. Yeah. Uh, Palmer is Obviously. great. Uh, yeah, that, we Glenn. all knew that. And Glenn, I mean, he has his moments and mm-hmm. he's kind of coming into himself. Um, and yeah, I mean, Roby has all the talent in the world. It's just, I mean, as a unit, and you break it down, half-court offense, it's not pretty. No, it, it, there's no motion, and that that can kill yeah. a lot. And so that's that's something to be concerned about. Um, but I think at home, uh, we will beat a lot of good teams in the Big Ten this year, and I think we're going to have a good year. Um, I'm just very concerned to see how we do on the road. And That, that Clemson win, that yes. was big in saying, hey, yes. we can win games against Quality teams on the road. Yes. Last but not least, the Clemson game uh, just happened on Monday night. Really, really good win for the Huskers. A lot of highlight plays. It was on ESPN2. It was the first game of the Big Ten ACC showdown. A lot of national recognition earned from this game. Um, And we played really good. Um, I would be almost kind of doing this team a disservice if we didn't mention that there's no doubt that our defense is really good. Oh, yeah. Very good. We had a pretty good defense last year, and we lost – all of our rim protectors, but it hasn't mattered. We play really, really good man-to-man defense. Yeah, and that's, I mean, as long as we can do that, that'll keep us in most games. Even if our offense looks stagnant, our defense will keep us in a lot of games. Yeah, so that's kind of what I've seen from Nebraska ball so far. Um, Seven games into the year, we are 6-1 and with that one loss at Texas Tech. Um, Moving forward into Big Ten play, uh, we start this weekend with Illinois at home. Uh, Sunday night, December 2nd, or Sunday afternoon, I, sh- I suppose. Um, 
shouldn't be anything too tough. Illinois is two and four. That's a perfect start to Big Ten play in my exactly opinion. exactly what um, we need. Yeah, and then Wednesday next weekend or next week, uh, December fifth, we play on the road at Minnesota. Definitely a decent challenge. That'll be a fun game. And then on the eighth, at home. Saturday, 5 o'clock p.m. tip-off. It's the Creighton game. Oh, my God. I hate Creighton. I hate Creighton. This is the biggest game of the year. <laughs> yeah. We we dropped the ball. I'll say this now. In the Isaac interview, we didn't talk about Creighton. Um, but we did mention it to him off-air. At least I brought it up. I was like, please, Isaac. Please, please beat them. <laughs> beat Creighton. Like, that is all I ask from you. That is all I want. I will be ecstatic. If this team beats Creighton and makes the tournament, those are the only two those are things my two I want. Things, if we do that, perfect. That yeah. is a successful season. I, and I would love to win a game in the tournament, obviously. Oh, yeah, that oh, needs, yeah, yeah. We, that needs to happen so bad. We are the only Power 5 conference team that has not won an NCAA tournament game. Which is, it, I mean, it was funny when Northwestern <laughs> hadn't even made it, and now it's like, yeah. oh, and God. And then they went, and now they're one for one. They got that win. So, so now, yeah. that's embarrassing on our part. But... This is the year, and I, I truly think that. Um, I hope that our offense in the half-court sets gets better moving forward, but I, I'm not convinced it will. Um, but we have a lot of talent on our team, and you know we can we can make it happen. Playing good defense and having some star individuals, we can make some noise. Our starting five can run with anyone. Yeah, damn and near. Yep, so besides maybe Duke, yeah. but, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so that's Nebraska basketball. Um I, in my opinion, it's looking it's looking bright. Yeah. So I I'm very excited for this season. Um, it's kind of a nice little, I don't know, change of pace, I suppose, from when our football team started 0 and 6 and the world was ending and yeah, it just life wasn't so good there for a while. Yeah, and we're six and one now in basketball. So yeah, here we go. There we go. Nebraska ball, baby. Oh yeah. So speaking of Nebraska ball, here is that interview with Isaac Copeland. The Guest of the Week is brought to you by Rexius Nutrition of Lincoln. Rexius Nutrition is Nebraska's supplement leader. Rexius was started in Nebraska for Nebraskans, and they have been providing service to the Lincoln area for over 10 years, helping people reach weight loss goals, put on muscle mass, or just get healthier. Rexius is located in the heart of Lincoln at 31st and O Street, and just for being a listener of this show, you can save 10% by using the code BARSTOOL at checkout. Go and support this local business and save some money while you do it. Absolutely. I think you should definitely check it out. Um, 10% off is not a discount you're getting for any other reason anywhere else. Um, in this holiday season, you know, maybe some subs would make some good gifts coming into the holiday season. So um, like we've said before, Jake and I have both been to the store. Um, they have everything you need. Any single thing that you could ever need for health and fitness and uh Sam, the guy who uh, is the owner of the store, man, he knows a lot about that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, he does. So. Great guy, and he's someone, you know, a local business owner that anybody should want to support. We now welcome on a very special guest. He is a starting forward for the Nebraska basketball team. He was an All-Big Ten honorable mention last season, and he is much taller than both Jake and I, Isaac <laughs> Copeland. Isaac, how's it going? Doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Pretty I'm doing good. pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so first off, we're going to address your height. I'm 5'8", he's 6'2", and you're 6'9", so that's six inches apart for all of us. <laughs> uh, that's just an observation I wanted to point out at first. Uh, yeah. Isaac <laughs> could hardly get in our front door. Uh, yeah. Uh, so... We're just going to get into some questions. So first off, this team is coming off a really big win on Monday, yeah. uh, and you had some big highlight plays in mm -hmm. that win. Uh, you had the put-back dunk in the first half and then a big dunk on that fast break mm -hmm. and then the block near the end of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, do you look to make those kind of momentum plays when you're out on the court, or do they just kind of come natural to you throughout a game? Uh, I say they're pretty natural. Um, put-back dunk, you know, just following up on the rim after a missed layup. Uh, fast break, I, I wanted that one bad, so – Kind of didn't know what I wanted to do once I got it, but it turned out pretty decent. And then uh, the blocking, I mean, big point in the game, you got to try to protect the paint. So most of it's natural. So talking about that Clemson game some more, Nebraska's actually done really, really well traditionally in the Big Ten ACC showdown. Mm -hmm. Does that yearly matchup have any more significance to you than any other regular season game? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I'm from ACC country. Uh, not from North Carolina, Raleigh to be exact. I mean, we got NC State, uh, UNC, and Duke all – within like 30, 45 minutes from my house. So I grew up watching the ACC, so anytime I get the matchup against them, um, I want to win. So going back to that block that you had on Monday, 
Um, blocks were actually a really big part of our defensive success last season. Is that something that gets stressed and worked on a lot in practice? Uh, we don't really work on blocks. I mean, we just always think about contesting shots and um, using our length and athleticism. So, um, you know, me and Roby, I think we have a, a lot of length and a lot of athleticism and stuff. So um, also with James and Amir, I mean, across the board, I think we have a lot of length and stuff. So we just try to make plays. So last year was one of the best seasons of Nebraska ball that Jake and I have been fortunate enough to see in our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. um, but from your perspective, would you consider last season a success? And what are some of the goals for this year? Uh, I wouldn't say last year was a success. I mean, not making the tournament really hurt us. And um, losing the first game in NIT didn't make it any better. So, I mean, I think we made a lot of progress and showed a lot of promise for this year. And um, I think this year the main goal is to just see how far we can go and take it one game at a time. And hopefully that ends up making a far run in the NCAA tournament. Uh, yeah, and I mean, you guys have the experience in this rotation to do that. Uh, you guys got three si seniors in the lineup along with a junior and a sophomore starting. Uh, I'm sure you guys have taken on, all have taken on leadership roles for this team. But is there anybody on this team that you s would say is like the leader of this team? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I just think we kind of take turns and we have different roles. Glenn's a very quiet person, but you know, when he speaks, like he means something like is really important. Uh, I'm, I'm growing into a more vocal leader, especially like in timeouts and like situations where it gets a little rocky and James, you know, he kind of is more of a leader by example. So, I mean, I think we all play our part. Uh, so after this season, uh, who are some of the guys on the team that you think are going to be able to pick up that production that we're going to lose after you guys graduate this year? Um, depending on what Roby does, I mean, you never really know with him uh, if he wants to go pro. I wish the best for him. He wants to come back and stay. I mean, I think he'll kill no matter what. So, I mean, I think Roby will. Nana Kenton, I think we've seen flashes from him already. You know, um, dynamic score, and I think you see achieving more of like from him on the defensive end. And Thomas Allen, as well as uh, Amir Harris. I mean, I think those four right there, and my fault, I, fault, my fault. I can't forget about Brady Hyman. I mean, he's, he's came in, gave some great minutes off the bench. And I mean, I didn't expect him to do anything this year, to be honest. And now seeing him play and, prog and like progress the way he has since the summertime, I'm really excited about him. Yeah, it's actually really cool. Um, we didn't, I, I mean, especially in our lifetime, I don't think we've seen an in-state kid like that mm -hmm. really contribute his first year. Um, uh, going back to Roby, so there's a very common saying last year that happened pretty much during the broadcasts of all the games that mm -hmm. Roby can be a really, really great player, but he himself just doesn't know how good he can be. Mm -hmm. As his teammate, does that sound ridiculous to you, or is that something that you would agree with? Um, I can see what they're saying. I don't know if I really agree with it, but I see where they're coming from. I mean, Roby's a gifted athlete. You can't teach that, and his his IQ is like higher than people probably really like realize on the basketball court. But I think he might get in his own way sometimes. I think he just needs to learn how to pick his spots, and really, when he gets the ball in those spots, nobody can tell him anything. Just be aggressive, make a play. So I mean, it's a learning experience. I think he's getting better with it, and um, yes, yeah, early in the season, so I think we'll see progress. I love it when he's on the top of the key and he actually just decides to go for it because yeah. he can always do something big from there. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we're gonna talk about Coach Miles for a second. What is he like on a day-to-day -day ba basis? Because my sister's a cheerleader, and whenever mm -hmm. she sees him at the training table, she, like, gets scared and thinks he's a psychopath. <laughs> uh, is he legitimately a psychopath, or is it uh, just a mentality that he brings? No, he's he's not uh, a psychopath at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> He's low-key, like, more of, like, a brainiac, I guess. So I, I consider, like, he lo he loves numbers and stuff. So, like, he's always giving you some weird facts about the world and, and just things in general. But he's a really intelligent guy. Um, he talks to us a lot, and um, we all have pretty good relationships with him. So there was a poll a while back. I think it was just two years ago um, that it asked other college coaches which other guys in the business that they'd want to have a beer with. Mm -hmm. And Tim was actually second in the country on that list. Wow. Would you say that Tim is somebody that you'd want to slug some natties with? <laughs> I don't drink beer, so I mean, I'm going to take some shots or something else. Maybe I consider it, but, uh, you know, that's after I'm done playing here. <laughs> <laughs> so – uh, speaking of Tim and practice a little more, what are some of the conditioning drills that you guys do in practice? Because as a former basketball player myself, I have a lot of really bad memories of some of the conditioning that we always did early mm -hmm. on in the season. Most of our stuff happens uh, preseason. Uh, this year we didn't really do too much conditioning, I can really remember. But going into last season, I mean, we were outside 6 a.m. pushing uh, the prowler on the, in the street, uh, running the hills. This year we did a little bit more like in the gym, on the court stuff and like prowlers inside. We didn't really go outside as much, but I mean, our, our weightlifting was a lot harder this year than last year. And um, 
as far as practice goes, I mean, it's just really intense. It's not as long as it was the previous year, but everything is intense. There's no breaks, barely any water, you know, like stuff like that just to test you mentally for, for uh, a tough game. Uh, so we're going to talk about home court advantage here in Lincoln. Uh, PBA is obviously a great place to play, and you guys have played well here. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does that atmosphere come into play for you personally when you know you're playing in front of uh, our home crowd? Uh, it's great. I mean, coming from my last school, uh, I love Georgetown, but it hasn't compared to here. Uh, the fan support was uh, amazing here in Lincoln. They support every athlete, and uh, I think it shows in all of our home production. So how would you rank the atmosphere at Nebraska and NPBA compared to some of the other more notable arenas that you've played in? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. you you were out on the East Coast for a while, and now yeah. being in the Midwest, um, you've seen quite a few arenas from different conferences and stuff. How would you mm-hmm. say PBA ranks? Uh, I like PBA a lot. Um, it's more of a college feel compared to where I was at before. The Big East was like a lot of pro arenas kind of turned into like a college venue. So it's a little bit of different atmosphere. But PBA is like here for us, and um, it's our main place. So, I mean, it's a little bit different. Uh, so you grew up in the heart of basketball country. You said Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, did you have a team that you cheered for growing <laughs> up uh, in the state? Uh, yeah, I was a big Duke fan growing up. Uh, it mainly started out as a joke because my mom – graduated from Carolina so um she watched the game I just want to get on her nerves but I actually ended up liking them a lot so we actually brought this up off air already but Mm -hmm. Nebraska has always kind of been more of a traditional football school yeah um and you're coming coming from Georgetown where that was more of a basketball school Uh, what was that adjustment like for you when you got here Uh, it was definitely a little different I mean Georgetown no matter where I went um people knew who I was and then here it kind of took them a little bit of time to realize, you know, oh, you're on the basketball team. I kind of joke around people. They ask me if I play a sport. I play, I like, say I play like uh, soccer or something like that. <laughs> or like, uh, you know, something I really don't play. But, I mean, I think uh, every sport here is supported. And um, I think with our continued production and improvement, we'll kind of be more viewed as like an even school. So, uh, so you have gotten to play against a bunch of really good basketball players in your time in college. Mm-hmm. Uh Who's the best player that you've ever matched up with, and uh, what was that game like? Mm. Uh, that's a tough one. Um, a couple from last year, I would say Tyler Cook from last year. He's real good, so looking forward to matching up him again uh, this year. Lamar Stevens, he's a good matchup at Penn State. And uh, way back uh, my freshman year, back at Georgetown, uh, Josh Hart had to match up with him, so – you see what he's doing now with the Lakers. Uh, he was starting that way back then, so he's been good. So we've seen quite a few new faces get into the rotation this year, um, and one of them being Brady Hyman, who we mentioned earlier. Does he get made fun of for his last name? <laughs> nah. <laughs> <laughs> I never really thought about that. Uh, Hyman, nah. I never really thought about that one. He gets made up for, for uh, a lot of other reasons, but that's not one of them. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so... <laughs> When you were getting recruited to come to Nebraska uh, after yeah. transferring from Georgetown, mm-hmm. uh, what did Nebraska really uh, give to you that you were like, you know what, yeah, like that's where I want to go play ball. Like Georgetown is a basketball school, Nebraska's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Why here? Combination of things. I mean, first of all, I wanted to just get my surgery and stuff taken care of first, and I think we have like the best facilities and a lot of support, and it's a nice environment for me to kind of just kind of get away and just focus on what I need to do. So that that checked the, those boxes early, and then um, also it's not being a, a basketball school. I feel like anything I did here, if it's done the right way, it's gonna leave an impact forever. So uh, we see a little bit of that from last year. We want to build on that this year, and um, hopefully leave here a legend. So um, now that we're into your season, senior season a little bit, do you have a favorite memory from your time here at Nebraska? Mm. Favorite memory. Can't say I really have a favorite memory right now. A uh, lot of good ones, but I don't really have a favorite right now. We'll work on it. Yeah, we'll work on that one. When we get a tournament win. That'll yeah, be that's what favorite. I'm saying. We got a lot more to do, so I wouldn't say I have one yet. No. All right, and then uh, to finish it out, uh, we asked all the football players this, uh, but obviously this translates to basketball as well. Yeah. Uh, so what would your recruiting bit pitch be to any player who is thinking of coming to Nebraska? Like, what would you tell them to try to get them in the door? Ooh. So when I see recruits, I kind of just let them, you know, see how we operate and stuff and be like, oh, wh- where else you talking? Like, where else you, like, thinking about going? Oh, they got a gym like this? Okay, they don't. Cool. Um, 
they're gonna talk to you like this like you know just kind of like if you want to be a part of a good family, come here, and then the rest take care of itself. So really a family atmosphere. So getting into Big Ten play now this weekend, um, are there any games on the schedule that you would, in your mind, almost put a circle around that are bigger than others, or is it just strictly one game at a time? You know, going into the season, I was, you know, circling Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, anything that beat us last year, I'm circling them, Purdue. But, I mean, now as the season's kind of got going early on, we got to circle all of them. I mean, the Big Ten's crazy. Then we have like six or seven teams right now in the top 25, and we're not one of them. So we have a lot of work to do, and we got to make a statement. So all of them are important. Uh, so you've been playing our five a lot uh, on the floor. I mean, not exactly the five, mm -hmm. but you've been our big guy on the floor. Mm -hmm. How do you see yourself matching up with some of those guys from like Purdue? What's is it Haas or Harms? Uh, Harms still, is the one that's still, still there. here. Mm -hmm. uh, like, how do you see yourself matching up with those huge guys that will have to play in the Big Ten? Well, actually, I'm playing the four. Uh, Roby guards the five every okay. game. So, uh, yeah, you got to ask him about that. <laughs> but anytime we have a chance to switch, uh, we'll switch. And you just got to try to body up and make them not, uh, make anything they have to do hard. So Tanner Borkart is someone who I've seen. He doesn't really look like a basketball player mm -hmm. to me. I don't know if that's just me. Um, but one thing I did notice is that dude boxes out really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Is that one of the things that you would say Tim puts him out on the floor to do? Yeah, and the thing is you can't teach that. He just came – last year and just naturally started doing it and he's been working really hard I mean, every day him and brady before practice they're getting extra work with coach mo and i mean you see it paying off well uh isaac thank you very much for taking the time out of your evening to come up here and do this interview with us uh we're really excited for the basketball season uh football was kind of a letdown and we're riding everything on you for uh <laughs> for our happiness for this uh the rest of this school year uh but Good luck with the rest of your senior year, uh, and we hope to see you playing into late March. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Go Big Red. All right, so now we're going to move into our picks of the week, as we always do. Um, as of right now, the record is still incredibly tight. So Jake and I both had the exact same record last week, and we really didn't even agree on a Most solid of them, yeah. Yeah, half of the games. Um, so I am 109 and 90. And Jake is 109 and 92. Yeah. So, like we said last week, me not picking a couple over unders in like the second episode of the season is the difference here. Um, so, we essentially have the exact same record, uh, minus Jake just screwing up two more times than I did, which is not all that surprising if you yeah, ask me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, to get into our games, we're, it's conference championship week. We've talked about that a little bit already. Um, and then there's a couple of games happening that aren't conference championship games, which is also okay with me. Yep. Um, so Friday night, we have number seven Utah representing the Pac-12 South. not number seven. Did I say seven? Yeah. No, I, I, I meant to say 17. Yeah, number 17 Utah uh, representing the Pac-12 South, uh, playing against Washington, representing the North, who is number 11. Washington is a five-point favorite, and the over-under is 44 and a half. Uh, so I have Washington here, five points. That's a touchdown. I think that they get that pretty easily. And then I'm going with the under, mainly because I was listening to a podcast with Corey and Kirk said, pick this one low. And I was like, <laughs> okay, whatever Kirk says goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a, also a big Kirk Street believer, um, but I think I'm going with the over. Um, just because, yeah, I don't expect a lot of points in this game, but 44.5 is pretty low. Um, and for the way I see this game going, um, and I'm going with Washington to cover. I, I think it ends up just being a little bit higher scoring than that. Okay, so uh, next game, MAC Championship. Uh, Northern Illinois versus Buffalo. Buffalo is a three-and-a-half-point favorite over under at 49-and-a-half. I'm so glad we're talking about this game. I, oh, yeah. I love the MAC. I It is my second favorite conference in college football. Um, I'm going with Buffalo here. They've had a really, really good season. Um, they are, are they 10 and two? I believe they're 10 and two. I think so. Um, I yeah. have to look, but yeah. And, but the weird thing is neither of these teams are hot right now. Um, Northern Illinois has been kind of struggling the last three weeks, Buffalo, the last two. Um, but with that being said, I'm going with Buffalo. Um, that's definitely going to be a weird game because we don't know which of these teams we're going to get. 
Um, are we going to get the 10 and two Buffalo that we were all promised or the one that's kind of been slipping up the last couple of weeks? Um, but I'm going with Buffalo, their quarterback, Tyree Jackson has had a really good season. Um, I've had the pleasure of watching at least two of his games this year. Um, and he impresses me quite a bit. So I, I got to go with the best player on the field. I'm going Buffalo and I'm going with the over as well. It's a Mac game. And always bet the over. Yeah. It's you always bet the over in the Mac game, especially if it's under 50. Yep. So yeah, I'm going Buffalo as well. And I'm going with the over. They are 10 and two. Uh, Northern Illinois is sitting at I think uh, seven and five. Yeah, I was going to so, say I think they're seven and five. Yeah, I I mean, as long as the Buffalo team shows up, that should show up. Uh, I mean, they should run away with this game. So yeah, I'm it's take- it's definitely not like last year when it was uh, Toledo and Akron, where Toledo was by far the better team. Oh yeah. Uh, yes, Buffalo is ten and two. Yes, Northern Illinois is seven and five. But the MAC has been a lot more complicated than that yeah. this season. Yep, for sure. Uh, so. Now we're going to, those were on Friday night. Uh, so Saturday, we have a makeup game for the Fires in California. Uh, it is Stanford versus Cal. Stanford is a three point favorite over under at 48 and a half. Yeah, I'm going with Stanford here. I actually, I struggled picking this game for a while. Um, Cal has had a sneaky good season and nobody's talking about it. Um, they beat Washington, they've really played well for a good amount of the year. Um, but with that being said, I'm going with Stanford here. Um, I just I don't know I I've seen a little bit more consistency out of them uh, I I think Bryce Love is bound to finally have another good game um, it's kind of been a minute for him Divino Zigbo has outrushed uh, Bryce Love by a lot this year by the way for fun fact for anyone wondering um, but yeah I'm I'm going with Stanford here I just think they have a lot more experience KJ Costello is a half decent quarterback um, Bryce Love has had a good year. Um, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside catches a lot of touchdown passes. Give me Stanford. And I'm going with the under. I don't, I don't see a lot of points in this. Exactly the same thing from me. So, yeah. Not real original, Jake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, next game, AAC championship game, not the ACC. Uh, Memphis versus number eight UCF uh, minus Mackenzie Milton. UCF is only a three-point favorite in this game, probably because of that injury. Uh, over, under, at 64 and a half. Yeah, um, Mackenzie Milton or no Mackenzie Milton, I'm sticking to my guns. Yeah, I have picked US or UCF in the over in essentially every UCF game we've picked this year, and it's always come to be true. Um, they have a really good backup. Uh, yeah, I, I just I I don't see the wheels falling off completely. It is no doubt that they are going to miss Mackenzie Milton. It is no doubt that they are not as good as they have been. Um, but I, I kind of trust Josh Heupel here. Um, to get it done, that that offense can't just be slowed down. Taking one key piece out of the puzzle, um, they've been dominant all year. I'm I'm sticking with UCF. And see, I'm going with Men- Memphis in this one. You had the over as well, uh, yeah. but uh, I'm going with Memphis in this one. I think with Mackenzie Milton out, uh, it gives Memphis a really good opportunity to do that. And Memphis is a good team. They, I mean, they blew out Houston, and I I thought Houston was a pretty good team. So. Uh, I'm going Memphis uh, to cover at least. Uh, I think this will be a tight game all the way down to the wire, but I I like Memphis in this game and I like the over as well. Yeah, Memphis is at a sneaky good season. They're hot right now too. It's it's definitely this is going to be one of the best conference championship games of the weekend. Um, so moving on, we are going to the Mountain West. We have a rematch of last year's Mountain West championship. Number 25 Fresno State playing number 23 Boise State. Boise State is a two and a half point favorite, and the over under is at 52. Uh, I have Boise State here. Uh, I picked them earlier in the year against Fresno State, and they ended up doing well for me there. Uh, I'm thinking on it now, and it, now I'm getting a little worried about it. Uh, it's hard to beat a team twice, but... I mean, it's like four times in a row at this point, because they played twice last year yeah. and had this matchup, and it was close again this year. Yeah, I, it's 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 been a matchup that's happened a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm sticking with Boise, and I'm going with the under in this game. I'm going with Fresno State. Um, I, I think they're due. Um, you do not need any extra motivation for Jeff Tedford and this Fresno State team to come out and perform. Um, they lost to Fresno State in the regular season last year, or lost to Boise State, excuse me, um, and the championship game last year and the regular season. Um, the final score of the championship game was 17-14. Um, so for historical reasons, I'm taking the under. Um, but I'm taking Fresno State. I, I think it's time. Boise State has been just cleaning up the G5 on their side of things for most of this year. 
but I think they finally get beat by Fresno State. Um, it's going to be a really, really good game. I'm also very excited for this. I never thought that coming into championship weekend, I would be most excited about the Mountain West and the AC championships, but here, here we, we are. are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so next game, rematch of the Red River, River, Red River Rivalry. Jesus, t- tongue twister. Uh, number 14, Texas, is playing number 5, Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma's an eight-point favorite over under at 78. I'm taking Texas just because I don't think a team that's already lost this matchup should be an eight-point favorite, especially at a neutral site. Um, I think Oklahoma will win the game, but I I am pretty confident that Texas will cover that spread. Um, and over under 78, I'm definitely going with the over. Um, it's one of those games that's destined to be another shootout. Um, the two quarterbacks have been talking shit about each other all week. They're going to go back and forth. The defenses are just going to kind of exist like they have all year. Um, and so give me Oklahoma. Um, I, I trust Kyler Murray in this shootout this time around um, to win the game, but I, I really do think Texas is going to cover. Uh, same same logic for me. Uh, I think Oklahoma wins this game. They're motivated enough. This is kind of their last shot to really prove themselves trying to get into that college football playoff and the overs the easiest pick of the week so absolutely give me that lock uh so moving on to the sec we have number one undefeated alabama as 13 point favorites playing number four georgia who's representing the sec east uh the over under is at 63 and a half i can't bet against alabama and that that is just why I'm doing it. They have been such a good team all year. I'm taking Alabama, and I'm taking the under in this game. Uh, I I mean, SEC game, and 63.5 is a lot of points, especially for a conference championship. But I see, I mean, I can see this game getting out out of hand if Alabama shows up the way that I think they can. Yeah, I, this is a tough one for me. I, I've been leading Georgia to cover most of this week, um, but I think my final verdict is going to be Alabama. Um, it's it's just so hard to doubt them. And, you know, the crazy thing is about this game is if Georgia somehow pulled it off and won, Alabama's probably still in the playoff. Oh, yeah. Um, so it, I don't know. That's kind of an issue I see with Alabama maybe not being as motivated, but – I already regret saying that because that's never going to be an issue with a Nick Saban coach team. Um, those guys are all robots who are tuned to win every game and do it as efficiently as possible. Uh, so I'm going to go with Alabama to cover, and I'm also going to go with the under. Um, I'm kind of reluctant to. I think it's going to be really close to covering that, but I think it's going to fall just short. All right, so now the ACC uh, largest spread of the weekend Uh Number two, Clemson, is a 28-point favorite versus unranked Pitt. Woo! Un- over under at 53. Woo! 28, man. That is so many points. I How is this a conference championship game? I have no idea. The Coastal was so bad this year. I mean, Pitt's just kind of like shoving their head in the door and are saying, we're just happy to be here, exactly. I feel like. I mean, they, you know hat off to them for making it to the ACC championship this year. The Coastal was a shit show, to say the least. Um, but they came out on top, and they clinched it before even the last week of the season. Exactly. So that, yep. I mean, that's that's something. Um, but they are playing the second-best team in college football, and it's going to be rough for them. I'm going with them to cover just because 28 points is a little too high for me. I, this isn't going to be a close game. Uh, if you remember last year in the ACC championship, Clemson just curb stomped Miami, who was having a really good year to that point as an 11 and one team. Um, so there's no doubt that, you know, Clemson's going to be up for the occasion. They're not going to disappoint, but I don't know. I see Pitt losing by 27, maybe. I don't know. Give me Pitt to cover solely because it's 28. I'm not betting on this game and I'm taking the over just because it, I mean, 53. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually have Clemson to cover this game uh, just because I saw you take Pitt and I was like, well, this is one I'm not betting, so I'll just go against Corey on this one. So uh, I like decision. Clemson. I like Trevor Lawrence. I like the entire Clemson team. Uh, you know, they're in a tier of their own below Alabama. So I have Clemson and I have the over as well. All right. And last but not least, got it. Oh, it just stings me not talking about a Nebraska game to, yeah. end, to end the episode for the first time this season. Um, but last but not least, the Big Ten Championship, which will feature Nebraska in it every year starting now besides this year. Um, number 21 Northwestern is taking on number six Ohio State. Ohio State is a 14 point favorite and the over under is 60 and a half. 
give me Ohio State all day and give me the over. Yeah, I think it's going to be close to the spread. Yeah. So I, I'm going with Ohio State. I think they barely cover. This won't be a slaughter. Northwestern will not let this get too far out of hand, but I don't think it's going to be a game that is worth watching in the fourth quarter either. Um, I, I see Ohio State winning by like a mild, you know, comfortable 17 maybe. Um, but let's just get this right. Northwestern will not get blown out. This no, isn't oh yeah, this no. isn't going to be Pitt Clemson. Oh, no, no, no. I just – I like Ohio State winning by between 17 and 21. Yeah. And that's – I mean – Exactly. Um, so, yeah, we're on the same page there. I'm, I'm also going Ohio State. But I'm going with the under um, with I, – I don't know, 60 and a half is a little high. And the – Zone defense that Northwestern plays with their coverage, I, I think it'll be enough to keep Dwayne Haskins from just picking apart their defense like he did to Michigan. Yeah, uh, well, that is a wrap on picks without picking Nebraska. Uh, <sighs> Sad. Uh, well, uh, well, it, thank you for listening to the episode. Uh, hope you enjoyed Isaac Copeland. Uh, we'll be back next week with Mohammed Berry on the podcast. Uh, so, Make sure you tune in, and Corey, do you have anything else? It'll be good.